Well, what do you know? Look at this. The latest in today's technology. Well, maybe not, right? I don't know how many of you out there know what this is. Probably a lot of you do. Our young folks may not be quite so sure. This is a transistor radio, and this was quite a development technologically back in the 60s when you could take your music or whatever else, the ball game, whatnot, you could take it with you, and that gave us such mobility. This truly was a remarkable and revolutionary advancement in technology. You could take your music with you for the first time. You could take the ball game with you wherever you wanted to go. It was truly, truly extraordinary. As we've seen in recent decades since that time, that new technology continues to replace old technology time after time after time. Every time you turn around, there's something new, there's something different, right? But at the time, this was really something. And I remember having a, a unit somewhat like this. And the reason that I'm bringing this to your attention here this morning is that we used to really rely on this for our music. And much of the music back in the day, in the 60s, was played on AM. So it didn't have great sound quality, but it didn't matter to us. It was still our music, and we enjoyed it. So there was a song from 1969, late 1969, and it became really popular early in the 70s. It was by an artist by the name of Mark Lindsay. Now, you might not know that name, but you probably know that he, the group for which he was a lead singer, uh, that was Paul Revere and the Raiders, and they were immensely popular in the late 60s and early 70s. But he decided to branch off momentarily. He was still ahead of that group, but he decided to record a song called Arizona. Now, you may or may not hear that. In fact, uh, I'm going to try to bring it up here in the background and give you a little listen and see if this sounds familiar to you. And all you can do is laugh at her. Doesn't anybody know how to pray? Arizona, So the song Arizona had a line that I found very interesting. In, I guess, exasperation, Mark Lindsay sings... Doesn't anybody know how to pray? And I thought that was an interesting lead-in to our message for today. Now, that particular lyric, that particular line, really had nothing to do with the song itself. I think he chose it because it rhymed with stay and say and way. So it was a convenient, almost throwaway line for him. But it worked because it rhymed. And it made me think about that in the context of prayer, is prayer sometimes for us a throwaway option? How seriously do we consider prayer? Do we start our day and end our day with prayer, or is it just whenever we need it, whenever it's convenient for us? Now, I would argue that everybody prays at certain times in their lives, especially when they're maybe in a state of shock, when something happens that they can't believe. The first words out of their mouths are often, Oh my God, whether they are in the faith or somewhat outside of the faith, it's a very common expression. And actually, it's a form of prayer. But today we're going to talk a little bit about prayer, not as a last resort, but actually as a first resort. And as we look at Scripture, Jesus, in addressing his disciples, really gives them some valuable guidance in terms of how to pray. Because let's face it, 
when we encounter certain situations, even if we've been in the faith for many, many years, we don't exactly know how to pray, what to say, what are we asking for, how do we go about this? Oftentimes, and very appropriately, we fall to our knees, plead with God, beg God to heal, to change a person, to bring about a different outcome, to improve a certain situation. There's no limit to the number of things that we can pray for and pray about. But as we look to Scripture, we find, and I think we're all aware of this, that Jesus was very simple and straightforward when he talked about prayer. This passage comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And as I mentioned, he is with his disciples. And here's what he tells them as we look at chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. In other words, we're not there to flaunt our prayer. That's a real turnoff to a lot of people, right? People don't like that. If you're trying to reach people in the faith, you try to reach them where they are at that particular moment. So continuing on in verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now that's interesting. Communal prayer, public prayer, wherever two or more are gathered, is indeed valuable. But private prayer also has its own intrinsic value. God is there. God is there when we go to prayer. And that's what we often say to him as we open our, our dialogue with him. God, where are you? Are you listening? Do you not know what I'm going through at this moment? Of course, we know inherently that he knows. But we also know that he is listening to us attentively. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now that phrase from Scripture has always puzzled me a little bit. Well, if he already knows, then why doesn't he sort of help me out here and deal with it? My opinion on that, and other people who have studied the Bible in a much more in-depth way than I have, I think have come to the consensus that he wants to dialogue with us. He wants to hear from us. Sure, he knows everything. He knows where we are. He knows what we've been through. He knows what we're struggling with. But he wants to hear from us. And so he invites us to enter into prayer with him, that private time, that intimate time. It's just you and him. And that is where it becomes so valuable. And now the dramatic moment, the prelude to what will become the most famous prayer, the prayer that we have all come to know as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus quite simply says to his disciples, this then is how you should pray. Well, gee, why didn't I figure that out a long time ago? I'm trying to do it my own way. Sometimes maybe it's effective, sometimes not. Sometimes I am just babbling, not really sure where I should be going and how I should be addressing my concerns with him. But he tells us very clearly in Scripture, this is how you should pray. And thus, 
we are introduced to the Lord's Prayer. And it begins this way, as you all know, Our Father who art in heaven. Pretty simple phrase, right? An acknowledgement of the Father in faith. And where He is at this moment? In His eternal kingdom, in heaven. But also with us, intrinsically, through the Holy Spirit, walking with us every step of the way. goes on to say, Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means blessed, sacred, consecrated, revered, an acknowledgement of the power and the majesty of the God that we serve. Prayer is indeed a holy time, a sacred experience. Then Jesus goes on to say, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Let's think about that for a moment. The first is an acknowledgement of what we all believe as disciples of Christ, that God's kingdom will one day come and that we will be a part of that kingdom through his grace and his mercy, through his decision to send his only son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross and then to rise again on Easter Sunday morning so that all of our sins would be washed away. We would be cleansed and purified and enjoy the promise of eternal life. So, as we think about that, perhaps the most effective thing that we can say in light of that, in light of our faith, is this. Your will be done. You know, as we get on our knees and rattle off a list of things that we'd like to have, like to fix, like to work on, and it's all valuable. But we can simplify things a little bit by saying, your will be done. If we acknowledge him as the master and ruler of our life, and knowing that he has only the best intentions for us, then it becomes much easier to say, Lord, your will be done. I know that we have a lot of very deserving prayer requests, and it's good to bring them before him. But I also believe that if we pray according to his will, we will realize the path and direction that he has for each of us. So on the subject of his will being done, Jesus says this, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hmm. Isn't that an interesting concept? Isn't, aren't these two completely different, dramatically different places? Heaven where all is perfect and earth where everything is flawed. However, how different would it be if we allowed his will to be done here on earth. You know, I think about when we pray, and again with good intentions, that we have our own agenda. We want it this way, and we want it this way now. Maybe that's a little bit off target. Maybe instead we should be praying in the way that he wants things to be. Remember from the very beginning he had this perfect plan in paradise where we would live in peace and harmony 
with one another, but we, well, we kind of filed that up early on, and we've been filing it up ever, ever since, really. But there is the possibility of bringing, I believe, heaven closer to earth when we bring him into our lives and let him be our ruler, our guide, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides us in all that we do. Continuing on in the prayer, you know, he makes it pretty simple when he says, give us today our daily bread. We can ask for a whole lot of things, right? A Mercedes, oceanfront property in the Bahamas, the list of wants is endless. But really, all we need are the simplicities of life. Give us this day, Lord, and our daily bread. And we then, as faithful followers, will be led by you. Then he pivots rather sharply when he says this, that we are advised to seek forgiveness for our transgressions as we also forgive one another. So clearly, as we come before him, we know that we have done things in our life or failed to do things that really we, we need forgiveness and, and we need to come before him and ask for that. And we know with the full faith and assurance of his grace and mercy that those requests will be answered, that we will be forgiven. But there is one caveat, and that is this, that we must also forgive others. That's the hard part. So we can't come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, but I'm sure not going to forgive that guy for what he did to me yesterday afternoon, right? Well, we know that's, that doesn't jibe in our, in our faith, that we really need to be aware of the importance of forgiveness, both from the Lord and the forgiveness that we grant to others. So how do we sum this up, this great and powerful prayer from the Lord that has been passed on for thousands of years? Well, if we were to break it down, we might do it this way. As we begin our prayers, we begin every prayer, we acknowledge the Father in heaven. We acknowledge His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and we acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit that guides us here on earth. And we also take a moment to praise His holy name, to give Him thanks for life, to give Him thanks for gifts, for blessings, and for the opportunity to one day share in His kingdom. That is indeed a great and glorious gift worthy of praise. We're also asked to submit to his commands, to follow his word, to live by his word, to reach out to one another, to love our neighbor, to forgive as we are forgiven. This then will fulfill God's simple call for each of us. Keep life simple. Keep our prayer life simple. Come before the Lord and sometimes kneel in silence. He knows our thoughts. Sometimes it's okay to just 
be in his presence. And when we speak to him to lift up others, to address concerns that we have in our present state, all certainly worthwhile and deserving of his attention. Now we get to the subject of answered prayer. Does God answer our prayer immediately? Does it always go the way we had hoped, the way we had asked? Well, not always, at least not through our eyes, right? But we do have the assurance that he is always listening and that he is always thinking about our best interest. Now, it, they may not jive. We may not think quite the same way. We might think we need this, and he might say, no, you really don't. So the disappointments that we encounter in life, and then we look back on them and say, you know what? If I had not encountered that disappointment, that struggle, that sorrow, I wouldn't be where I am today. Sometimes adversity is not a bad thing. It gets us to where we need to be. And where we need to be, all of us, is closer to him. And we become closer to him through prayer. In this case, the Lord's Prayer. Only recently have I decided to incorporate the Lord's Prayer in my daily prayer schedule. Yeah, I'm ashamed to say that. Quite an oversight on my part, for sure. I had other prayers that I would recite daily, but never thought about, I kind of always reserved the Lord's Prayer for Sunday. But now it's become clear to me that I should pray that prayer at least once a day. And I want to give you an opportunity now to listen to that word in song as Cindy Mykrantz sings for us the Lord's Prayer. Cindy, thank you so very much for sharing your 
wonderful musical talents with us. And hearing the Lord's Prayer being sung is truly a blessing and a gift, and we're so thankful for that. And I trust that all of you enjoyed hearing that as well. So as we prepare to depart this place and reflect on the many gifts that we have and the importance of prayer, I would invite you and encourage you to think about incorporating the Lord's Prayer into your daily prayer regimen, to keep it simple, and to let Him be the guide, to let Him decide what is best for you in each situation. That doesn't mean we don't bring our concerns and our petitions before Him. We certainly do that. But let Him be the guide. He knows our destination. We know where we want to get. We don't always know how to get there. Let Him be the guide. Let Him light our pathway. Let Him take our hand and take us home when that time comes. And now, as we prepare to depart this place, we give thanks and praise to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. For without them on this journey, we would be lost. But because of them and because of the light that they provide, we are blessed in so many ways. Let us never lose sight of the value of prayer. It doesn't matter how eloquent you are. It doesn't matter how long or short the prayer. It only matters that it is sincere and genuine and from the heart. Because we have the assurance that God will listen, that God will answer, and God will provide the way. Thank you once again for being with us here. We're hopeful that we're getting closer to an opportunity to worship in person with one another. If you're a member of our church, we can't wait to have you back. If you're not, and you'd like to come and visit, you are most welcome. No invitation necessary, no reservation required. Please come and join us Sundays at 1030. I'm kind of hopeful it'll come toward the end of the month of May, but we'll find out for sure and we'll certainly try to get the word out. Once again, if you're struggling and need help, we have a pantry here and a resource center that will help to provide for your needs. Don't go hungry. Allow yourself to be fed. We'll be happy to assist in that endeavor. Likewise, if you feel compelled to donate food items or cash donations, we would be grateful for that as well. So again, as we go forth today, we do so in prayer, knowing that God walks with us each and every step of the way. And again, we thank Cindy and Jen as they share their musical talents to take us out of today's service. God be with you until we meet again. Thank you.